guys, welcome to episode 3 of the Don't Tell God podcast. My name is Alicio and uh, in case you don't know, this podcast is where pastors and leaders are given a platform to be real, to be vulnerable and open about life, faith and ministry. Now, just to let you guys know, a new episode comes out the first Thursday of every month. So if you want to make sure that you don't miss any episodes, hit the subscribe button. And uh, if you're on social media, feel free to follow me at Don't Tell God on Instagram or Don't Tell God One on Twitter. On today's episode, I've got a really good friend of mine. Um, his name is Martin Garcia, and Martin is the director of a Christian organization called Word of Life. And uh, we just have a really good chat about life and ministry. And uh, if you don't know, uh, if you don't know him, but you soon will, he's very, very passionate about youth. He's passionate about God, and he just loves serving God with all his hearts. Uh, we're also talking about evangelism and how, how that works in his life and in ministry. And uh, lastly, we talk about the hardship of parenting teenagers. And this one was really interesting because I've known him for so long, but he just opens up about how he really struggled with his kids um, not following Jesus. And it's ironic because he's telling other kids, other teenagers, hey, follow Jesus. Jesus is the way. In his own household, his own kids, uh, they weren't following Jesus. There was that struggle that all teenagers have. And he just talks it through on how he dealt with it and how he reacted and you know, the fact that he got a bit angry with God about the situation. So hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. Hopefully you get a lot of out of it. And uh, thanks again for, for joining me. Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alicia. Um, I'm glad you're here, and uh, I'm excited because uh, I've known you for, well, really, you've known me since I was little. Alicia, I've known you since you were a child. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a good thing or bad thing. But well, I mean, uh, look, I have fond memories of you running around the church in Melbourne, uh, that Spanish church, Redeemer. And uh, my parents, they know well your yeah. parents, and, and it's just uh, wonderful to see you as a little child now developing as a teenager, now married man. Kids of my own, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's pretty crazy. Now, uh, obviously, I know you quite well, but some people don't. So can you explain to us um, what you do for work, uh, a little bit about yourself, uh, and also, yeah, because your organization is very different. You're, you're not a church pastor or leader. Uh, even though you are, um, you interact with a lot of pastors and leaders. So just tell us a little bit about, more about yourself and, and your organisation. What a life is a Christian youth organisation. Uh, uh, we're in uh, seventy-eight locations, over fourteen hundred full-time missionaries, with a impact. See, the passion of word of life is reaching to teenagers, mm. and every year we reach about a million teenagers every year. This is worldwide. Uh, and we do it in many different ways, through camp ministry, through Bible college, through outreaches. And every country has its uniqueness in how to reach the people. So in Australia, I've had the privilege now to be the director for the past uh, nine years. But I've been in World of Life, Alicia, for the past 21 years. Wow. Uh, so um, I love the ministry. Uh, I, Alicia, I'm 48 now. And... Um, and yes, uh, most people say, okay, you do youth ministry at a certain stage and then you want to perhaps move on. Look, yeah. there's nothing wrong. God takes you from a youth pastor senior. Let God do that. Yeah. But personally, I, I, I love so much young people. So that's, that's my calling. So being involved with a ministry that 
that emphasis is youth evangelism and the discipleship of the ministry. Look, that's just, man, I've got the best job, Alicia. I, 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 I speak in many different platforms and I found myself in Wagga with 10 doctors. They asked me, Christian doctors, they asked me to do Bible study. And here I am next to all these physicians and I said to him, gentlemen, I've got the best job. And looked at me and said, look, the reason why I've got the best job because what we do is eternal. Alicia, I've been, no, there's nothing wrong with being a doctor, please. You know, if you're a doctor, <laughs> hey, if you're there, thumbs up, you know, and we need, you know, committed doctors. But I was really challenged with a quote that said, only one life will soon be passed. Mm. Only what's up for Christ will last. And Alicia, when I was 20 years of age, I heard that quote. The person that said that quote was an Englishman by the name of C.T. Studd. A bit about C.T. Studd, came from a very wealthy background in England. He was the youngest cricketer at the age of 17 to play professionally. And he forsook his career, his wealth, to go overseas to be a missionary. And and when he said that quote, "Only, only one life will soon be passed, what's done for Christ will last. And, and Alicia, that's my passion. And that's mm. what I want to uh, do for the rest of my life, you know, and, and to continue my calling. Yes, World Life is a platform. Yeah. But my calling is serving God. That's what I'm fully passionate about. And I think anyone that knows you, Martin, or even heard of you, knows that you are so passionate for Jesus. And uh, so passionate for evangelism, you know, which is great. For me, I was thinking about this, and I thought, okay, 20 years ago, when you first started at Word of Life, and you, you spoke about evangelism, and, you know, that's what you guys do in regards to outreach. Has it changed? At least in the context of Australia, has it changed when you evangelize, you know, back 20 years ago to, you know, 2020? Has that changed? Have you had to tweak? Like, we don't understand, you don't, you don't really tweak the gospel, but the, the style or the way the kids are, like, yeah... Share a little bit about that. It's an interesting observation, Alicia. Um, like you said, and I'll emphatically emphasize, uh, the gospel remains the gospel. Uh, the good news of a saviour, Jesus Christ, that came, was born from a virgin, that, that came with a purpose. The Bible said that he came to seek and save which was lost. The Bible talks about his death, his burial, and resurrection. And the Bible talks that his ascension, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And this tremendous gospel is not just for eternity, which is it is, mm. but it's also for now. And so when you think about our culture in Australia, I've had the privilege, Alicia, to travel now to yeah, several countries around the world and had the opportunity to be preaching in various locations I find myself, when I look at Australia, so let me give you an example. I was in Latin America speaking in various conferences and camps. And when I talk about hope, and and when I talk about heaven, it's understood real place, yes, but now. When I talk about heaven in a culture like Australia, See, we have so much for our young people, hope, education, 
wealth. See, heaven is so distant. See, for a young person, heaven is Fortnite, you know, and his mates, and there's no urgency for heaven. And so when you understand that mindset, that young people live for now, and now is heaven because yeah. their mates, their, their social media, and then suddenly you talk to other people that perhaps have experienced persecution. I've, I've spoken to teenagers that they said, Martin, if I come to know Christ, I've got to pay a price. Yeah. Our teenagers don't think like that. Uh, short term. They're all about short term. No, no, no. Yeah. So, 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 so you still present the gospel to, 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 to our teenagers in Australia. But I always try to make them think the real forward thinking of what it is. Now, now this is also another another challenge that we are presented. We're told that one of the leading causes for young people is youth suicide. Now, you take that to other federal countries where suicide is, is not mm. the leading cause. It could be addictions, from drugs, from alcohol. So, so you think... Then why is it that we live in a first world country? Alicia, you can be a blue collar and own a house. You can be a blue collar and drive a brand new car. Mm. In, in other countries, no, you've got to be an elite professional to that's, have that's those right. things. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's the understanding is a Russia, and yet we have so much that has been given to us. So much privileges, yet in many aspects we don't value and we look at our hope. As you're aware with the Mark McCrindle research on regarding religion, there's a pattern. Mm. The, 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 the non-religious people, that, that's getting high percentage. And, and, and yes, under the, the Christian belief, the, it, it, there is a... A percentage, but that that includes everybody that considers themselves spiritual. Yeah. They may or may not be Christian, but there's a spiritual. But then McCrindle's research talks about a seven percent that are committed followers. Now you think about that. That's still a small percentage. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, how do you reach to a culture? that they have so much up front, so much possibilities and opportunities, yet there's no value. In the sense of, especially in the context of um, something very delicate, suicide. Now, we know that we live in a generation of young people that have short time to think through. Uh, they they want things. See, Alicia, teenagers listen for their eyes. It's a very visual uh, learning is through experience, and so I think when you look at all that, what our culture sees, the social media, uh, 
if you don't catch them in eight seconds, you've lost them. <laughs> and 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 if you don't if you don't show that you're serious enough and committed enough to be heard, and I think this generation and Alicia, they might by they might bypass the person that is leading. Perhaps their grammar is not as sharp. And perhaps they have some sort of speech impediment, but if they show genuine commitment to them and love, I think they'll stop and listen this year. Mm. And so I think how important it is, as we present the gospel, to come with a genuine passion, to come with a genuine concern, to be able to present it in, in, in short moments, clear, biblical, and actually believing that Wholehearted that this is what it is. I, I think often Elysio, in my experience, when I when I teach various resources on how to evangelize, how to engage in gospel conversation, I think the hardest is for leaders to understand the practicality. In other words, I cannot tell others what to do if I'm not actually doing it. And so, and when a leader is not actually doing that, Elysio. I mean, you can talk about the theories of evangelism, and, and but they want to see experience. That's so suddenly, right. when you come in, you know, let me tell you what God has done in this person. Yeah. Let me tell. Suddenly, they're listening because, as you know, teenagers thrive with experience. Yeah. And we've got to create opportunity for them to hear what God is doing in other people's life. And so then, when the gospel. Is plenty in, 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 the, in the seed of the gospel, plenty in the heart of the young person. How important is for that person then to hear, understand, and then see that it's made a difference in your life? I think that's radical. Yeah, that's right. Because there's no point preaching the gospel or evangelizing and saying Jesus you know, has done amazing things, but your life doesn't reflect uh, upon it. And uh, I think, you know, even for myself growing up, there was a, that, that was probably a big thing where I did see a couple of people, leaders, you know, who say one thing, say that they love Jesus, say that Jesus is the best, but their lives, you know, was totally opposite. And I even did that, you know, growing up, you know, kind of like you were saying as, as teenagers, you know, at least for myself and, and you, you know, you, you grow up and, you know, you know the gospel, you know what Jesus has done, but you don't live the life that Jesus has called you to be. And uh, as, you know, as we saw or we heard before, you're passionate for teenagers. And I think that's something that we really got to work on is not only knowing how to evangelize, but also showing it because I think that's more important. Um, you know, other than the gospel, what Jesus did, we got to show um, what Jesus has done through our life. Or else the kids or the youth or even adults would be like, what a phony, what a hypocrite, you know. And, they, and unfortunately, they'll, they'll put that back, that stigma back into Christianity. Now, in regards to uh, you've, you know, you spoke about how you love teenagers so much. You actually have four kids. Is that right? Four kids? Five kids? Six kids? I don't know. How many kids do you have again? Well, uh, uh, we have four. Four. four that's kids, right. Yeah. And you have teenagers, well, adults. Yes, yes. Teenagers. Well, well uh, we, we, we do have a teenager in the midst of the, of the four. So our oldest son, Matthias, he's actually yep. 21. Wow. He just finished two years of Bible college. So he started this year. He's got a scholarship uh, for a university in the U.S., Cedarville University in Ohio. And then our daughter, Michaela, she's finishing her second year Bible college. She's 19. And then I've got Caleb, who's 14. Caleb, yeah, yeah. He is, yeah, he's in year nine. 
and then Alicia, we've got a seven-year-old. So figure that out. How to yeah. <laughs> parent a seven-year-old, and then a fourteen-year-old, and then a nineteen, and then a twenty-one. Uh, it's fun. Often I tell my wife, I've got no idea what I'm doing. But <laughs> Alicia, but one thing is clear is that I, I love them. And then I had a moment that loved the Lord. Yeah. And so. Well, what a challenge from having a 21 year old and now a 70 year old. That, that would be hard. Crazy. Um, and, you know, again, like, you know, as people may know that I've known you for a while. Uh, but I want to know because, you know, you talk about your, your two eldest kids going to Word of Life Bible College. You know, some people might think, oh, you know, might have had the perfect kids growing up you know they're angels they did everything that you know our mum and dad said but that that's not the case no 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 kids explain no. a little bit more about what happened especially with your eldest two eldest yeah, kids yeah. look Alicia um, I remember I, I heard a, a message from John Piper when he was talking about what brings him the most pain or sadness and and he spoke about uh, when his kids um, were not walking faithfully and and John Papa mentioned look he can work with a disgruntled leader or deacon and elder but how difficult it is to work with a uh, um, a child that is not following faithfully the Lord um, I think parenting is is a journey and, um, and often your kids will teach you how to become better parents. But then also to understand, Alicia, that our kids have to understand that their own choices bring consequences. And so, yes, there was a stage that one of our, one of our, one of our two oldest kids um, began just, once again, unhealthy relationships you know uh, ungodly friends and and just found herself in a situation where she's lost confused um, and she started making sad sad choices so so how, how old were they when they started making this choice drifted away 14 14 okay yeah, uh, 14 15 and and that went for several years um, and I think the most difficult thing in ministry, Alicia, is you begin a cycle and, and, and where when it first happens, you begin blaming yourself. You know, oh man, oh, I'm a bad father. I failed. And, and, and I began doing that. I began just, you know, bashing myself. You know, man, I failed as a father. Here I am ministering to thousands of kids and... And, and, and in my backyard, my child, and mind you, Lisa, my wife and I have, we've done our best to, to really raise mm. our kids, you know, in, in, a, in a home where uh, God is present. And when I say that is, you know, devotions, um, saw an example of praying mum, praying dad, uh, showing an example of, of parents that loved them. Um, but still, it's their choice. And so when... Um, my daughter started making some really sad choices and just her, she was just drifting away from the Lord so bad I started blaming myself this cycle just and then from that blame and myself it changed to an, 
and I called it, this is my personal experience, Alicia. The, the, the second stage was now I'm blaming God. And I was saying, God, you know that I've dedicated my life all these years to serve you. And, and little did I knew, I was no longer asking questions. There's nothing wrong asking questions to God. I started questioning God. That's a problem. Who am I to question Him? Now, we can't ask questions. Lord, I don't understand this. Because we find that through Scripture. God understands how weak we are. But I started finding myself not asking questions, questioning Him, blaming Him. And, and I remember I came to a conclusion, which I called the third stage, we realize I'm not the Holy Spirit. Mm. See, what I begin doing is, every time I read with my kids, I'm quite nervous. I'm so like Bible bashing I'm throwing Bible like that in their mind. Think, wow. and, and because, remember the first stage, just my fault, my blame, my, you know, my failure, then yeah. suddenly God, your fault, quit. To now, no, no, maybe I've got to regroup and, and in many ways I'm playing the Holy Spirit. No. And then the final stage was brokenness. So is that, when you say brokenness, is that when you say, God, all right, that's it, I'm, I can't do anything? And that would be hard. Oh. When, when your kids, when you say, I, I can't do anything, potentially my kids may just never come back to see, God. See, Alicia, the Bible talks about how when we pray with when the Holy Spirit intercedes, and even sometimes with this yearning. Mm. I remember there was a difficult situation that, that happened, and I had no control. All I was seeing, the pain and the sadness of the choices that much I was making. And I remember I had my Bible open, and I just fell to the ground, with my Bible and just wept. There was no words coming, Alicia. There was no words coming, but I knew I was praying. And I, my pages of my Bible was just soaking. Until today, I, I, I look back those pages to see, interesting enough was, I'd open it at Isaiah 51, verse 10, when he talks about that, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. He will strengthen me. He will help me. He will uphold me with his righteous right hand. And I remember that brokenness was, Lord, to learn to love unconditionally, to learn to wait upon him. But see, those four stages was almost four and a half years. Wow. So it's not like it happened in four days or four weeks, four no. months. Four, four and a half years. Four and a half years. And, you know, Alicia... Um, often when we go when we talk about trials and testing sometimes we don't know mm. you look in the Bible look at Job he never knew <laughs> he never knew yeah. he was never told what why it happened and and often at least say Another principle that I learned in brokenness, there's a Bible, there's a Bible verse in Psalm 37.5 that says, Commit your ways to the Lord. 
trusted him in her life. See, often we teach, and there's nothing wrong with this, but we teach that the peace of God is the guarantee, if you want to put it that way, uh, the peace of God is um, the mark or the sign, the evidence that we're doing something, whether it be the will of God or wise decisions. And it's okay. There is peace of God in context like that. But I've learned that there's not always the peace of God. You've got to trust Him. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's no peace in your heart. That's, that would be hard to trust if you don't yeah, have that trust. peace. Yeah. And I think in brokenness. I remember one of my mentors a few years ago when all this was happening, he said, Martin, just remember this. Behind brokenness, there's much blessings. If you remember the example of Mary when she was anointing Jesus Christ, and she did something, Alicia. She had a perfume. But what did she do? She broke that perfume. And it was expensive. Yeah. And the disciples... They got angry. They got angry. Like, Why are you wasted this perfume? Yeah. Spot on. But for that brokenness, there was blessing. And now I'm not saying that it always has to be the same way. No, God is God. He works in different people in different ways. Now, this is my personal story, Lysio. But I learned through brokenness that no, there was not always peace, but there was trust. Hmm. Lord, I trust in you. And I will tell him, Lord, I can't have peace because I see my daughter making a wise choice, yeah. but I'm trusting in you. That gave me perspective, Alicia. And I've learned over now, yes, we've rolled off 21 years, but prior to that, I was a youth pastor at a Spanish church for another five years. And then before that, I was in a Bible college in Argentina, I was a youth pastor. So I've been, it's maybe 30 yeah. plus years of ministry. Yeah. And, and yet, you can take those years of experience, but when you begin journaling and, and going through specific moments of test that God puts, and yes, you look back the years and say, man, how difficult it was. So my conclusions, and this is something, Alicia, that I would encourage you, and perhaps those that are, that, that are listening. I learned the principle of journaling. So I've journaled for the past 12 years. And the good times, the bad times. Alicia, if you look at my journals, there would be so many days where I write, I'm quitting God. <laughs> I'm quitting God. I'm running away. Why me? But what kept me going was my calling, Alicia. Uh, it was my calling. Faithful is He who calls you. Mm. And that has kept me. And that will keep you in ministry, your calling. Ministries change, Alicia. Dynamics change. But what keeps you going is your call. So when I was going through these trials, the moments of discouragement, the moments of, I mean, I'm going to quit my calling. My calling. You just go back to your calling. You go back to your calling. And, And for me, journaling was such a wonderful experience 
And so I look back now, today I read my journals every day. Yeah. And so I look, for example, today is, you know, what, the 27, uh, I think, of, of July. July, yeah. I look back at my, my different journal, the entries that I had, from, and I find myself, wow, the different, different situation, different things. So that's journaling for your trials, but then also journaling for your prayers. Mm. Alicia, prayer is so vital. And God wants us to be intentional in writing things. So in my prayer journal, I've got what I call the list of impossibles. And and I ask the Lord for things that He knows, and, 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 and I just put it to Him. In my prayer journal also, for the lost people, I've got a list of lost people that I pray every day. I pray also for different people that oppose scripture in schools, different names that are head of atheist movements. I pray them by name. I don't know them, but I pray. I pray for my mayor in Port Macquarie. I pray for our prime minister. But then also pray for the, to reach the lost, but also pray to restore the teenagers that are backsliding and to refresh. And then I pray for youth leaders. Alicia, I've committed to pray for all your youth leaders. By the way. You, you sent me texts and advice of my I have to awesome. pray for multiple youth groups, leaders by name. Now I'm not saying, look, just to, I'm just here because prayer, it's such essential ministry support. Mm. And without a consistent and a vibrant prayer life, Alicia, the enemy will rob you from having that and so how do you teach teenagers how to pray you know it's it's a challenge yeah get them journaling write bible verses and pray scripturally in my prayer journal i've got about 12 pages it's all bible verses that suddenly becomes my prayer yeah and so there's so much you can you can gain from your trials in your journals, from your prayer in your journals, from things that you're asking the Lord to do. And then don't forget this, answer prayers. If you ask the average leader, and I, I, I do, I work with many, many yeah. churches, give me a list of all your answer prayers. I think I only met one or two that had a list. That kind of, yeah. And God is answering prayers. Which is they jot it down. See, what it does, it, it encourages you to pray more. It encourages that my prayers are in vain because we are very forgetful this year. Yeah. We're very forgetful. And, and if I can just sum up with a phrase that I've said this for a number of years, the leader that stops growing stops leading. And Lysia, my challenge to you as a young uh, youth pastor, the moment that you stop growing, you stop leading. And you, can, you can't afford it. You've got a beautiful mm. family, beautiful wife, beautiful kids. You've got a wonderful ministry here at, at the church here. And, and you cannot afford to stop growing. Mm. And it's a choice. You've got to be intentional. You, you, and, and also have this desire in your heart, this passion that, that, that God gives you. Now, every quiet time, every devotion, is it going to be a wild? Maybe not always, Alicia. But it's like... Let me put it this way. My lovely wife, Sylvia, she's an amazing cook. But can I tell you something, Alicia? 
Not every meal has been a wow. <laughs> oh, hopefully Sylvia's <laughs> not listening to this. <laughs> she knows that. But, but you know what? I eat it because it's nutritious, it's healthy, and it benefits me. Yeah. So not every day is going to be a wow. But there are moments where, man, she does an amazingness that I just go, wow. And the same when you devote, there'll be moments when God will break, but the principle is stay in God's word. Ask him to speak to you, write your application, and then try to put it to practice. The leader that stops growing stops mm. leading. Martin, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. And hopefully it's a blessing, just like it was a blessing for me. You're welcome, right? Even though I've known Martin for years, it was a pleasure just to sit down with him and just talk about life and ministry. And uh, if you ask anyone who knows Martin personally, the word that will probably come to mind and is the word I would use would be passionate. Martin is passionate to tell others about Jesus. He's passionate to tell others about the gospel. He's passionate in seeing people grow. And um, in regards to the interview, the one thing that really stood out for me was Martin's passion, but also his faithfulness to God, knowing that it doesn't matter what happens in life in regards to ministry, in regards to family, God's got it under control. And I love his faith, his trust towards God. Now, before I finish, I want to remind you guys, please, please, please subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, please do subscribe so you're up to date. And as soon as a new episode comes up, uh, you, you'll be the first to know. Also, if you want or if you can, please write a review. Uh, share this podcast with others. If you think this will benefit someone, share it with them and uh, hopefully it will benefit them. And lastly, give me some feedback. If you want me to interview someone, if you've got any tips, uh, you can message me on Instagram or Twitter or send me an email. Uh, but please send me some feedback if you can. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I'll catch you all next time.